What's up, everyone? It is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we're going to be speaking with Mio Asami from Cultiva Law out in California. But first, we do have to talk about a little bit of Cannabis Legalization News. So, Miggy and Tom, how are y'all doing today? Hey. Oh, doing good, Lauren. How about yourself? Not too bad. It's a sunny day in Chicago. Sunny day nice. down in the state of Illinois. How's it in Seattle, Miggy? It's sunny. It's nice out. A little green, too. Yeah, nice green. Yeah, but I mean, we're still all homeward bound, so we're all locked in. But uh, there was some news, like out of Fox Rothschild was reporting that one of these requirements for social equity uh, applicants don't have to, you don't have to do them right now. And I haven't been able to corroborate that. So yesterday I jumped on here and I did a quick uh, little thing about that blog post that they put out that says that uh, evidently the IDPFR even though there's no press release for it, it has said that the people that have hired the 10 full-time employees for that social equity, those points, they can furlough them and they don't have to keep them on payroll. And I'm like, well, that that should be like reported. And and yeah. so I don't see where it's officially reported. But the Fox Rothschild's not like a fly-by-night law firm. You know, we got another baller law firm coming on to discuss all the stuff from the original uh, gangster of um, uh, cannabis, California. It's going to be pretty cool to try to, compare and contrast the California to the Illinois laws. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. I, uh, I love the law firm too. I'm familiar with them from medical days. The medical days. Yes. Those were smaller days. Fortunately, now there's some more dynamic, dynamic, uh, it's a, a dynamic industry hey. now, as opposed to, uh, just locked and frozen in time. You know what else is in news? Nope. Aliens. Oh my God! Yeah, aliens are totally real. I mean, <laughs> it's like you know that was it was hilarious. That's why they did that. Then they were like, you know what? The president's gonna lock everybody down, tell them all to drink bleach, and then we'll leak the alien stuff. It'll just slide right by. Nobody will even know. Yeah, yeah, we got legal weed and aliens. Aliens. And then like you've seen that uh, Joe Rogan where he had Bob Lazar on to explain like his uh, Area Fifty One research days and like how oh, they were. Yeah. Like, you know, they would, they'd be the, the saucer, but then when they wanted to move one way, like their gravity well would dip and they would just fly that way. And that was exactly what was happening in those leaked videos. And I'm like, Dude. Hmm. so he wasn't lying. And no right? one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. Or, or everybody just cares from their perspective places at home. Right, right. You know, um, so it's, it's pandemic stuff. So the next time there's something that's terribly, terribly wrong with the world, that's when they'll leak the really, really salacious news. What do you think it'd be like pyramids or actually spacecrafts? Something like that. Or the robot overlords are already here and they've taken advantage of us and all that. So, you know, it's we're all going to go inside. And then when we come back out, robots will just be owning the whole show, right? All I know is I'm safe with that one. Uh, all I know is that cannabis is an essential industry now. And it's Ooh. still kind of illegal. What the heck is up with that? Speaking of essential bullshit, uh, you know, Massachusetts, the recreational market hasn't been identified as, rec or as uh, essential yet. The recreational market hasn't. Yeah, they, I don't understand yeah. the image there, but uh, you know, I'm assuming that you could probably still go out and buy beer. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and not just that, because uh, they're talking about now they have a delivery uh, company that's getting involved into the medical scene. So okay. now we're doing deliveries, but yeah, recreational. You know, it's like they're forcing people to be on their registrar or whatever. You know, here in Washington, you know, I, I, a good portion of the patients buy their medicine through the stores. Period. Uh, and it's still expensive, you know, back in the medical days, you could get quality, you know, an eighth a quarter for, you know, 20, 30 bucks and it'll last you a long time. Now, yesterday I bought a half for, I think it was 150 hmm. and it's a nice half. It was a beautiful half, but 
when I pay that much for a half, I just get sad inside. Like, ah, uh, man, you can't is- even buy a half at a dispensary in Illinois. Really? I don't think I've never seen the highest quantity limit I've seen is a quarter of shake or like a quarter of smalls or popcorn buds. Um, yeah, it's usually eighths is the uh, commodity that they have. And the premium flour eighth prices will range from 50 to I think cookies is like 65. And then my, my dispensary is actually low. So I hear that some places are, are higher than that. I actually tested the boundaries on 420 because I bought a full ounce, so two half ounces. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Let me get a pre-roll for the way home. And uh, the lady was like, hey, I'm sorry, but you got flagged. You can only buy an ounce. Like, what if I just walk out and come back in? But right. cameras, yeah, I get it. You can buy all the vodka, though. You're like, oh, you know, you get a price break if you buy six uh, handles of this vodka stuff. Six handles? Well, okay. But one ounce, one ounce of cannabis. And is it trying to control the supply? Are they worried that Washington State's going to run out or something? Well, you remember in uh, um, uh, Colorado the, the with Sweet Leaf, where they're uh, the recursion, where they're, you know, that's uh, what they're the looping. They were though, they're yeah. doing the looping. And so, like, it's where you come in, you buy your legal limit, you go back out, you come in with a mustache, you're like, I would also like my legal limit of weed. And then you come back out. And then, yeah, the bud tenders are trained to recognize that to prevent that type of uh, looping. But why is that a crime, right? Why, why do you have a limit? Diversion. They're, they're afraid, like, there's going to be some secret cartel of prepackaged 502 weed out there in Ohio, you know, which is the secretest. Upcharge it. So I'm going to go buy my 502 weed at 502 prices. And then what? Seriously. That's why when yesterday, when I bought this uh, half ounce, uh, I was really sad because I have a friend that will give me ounces for a hundred and it's really quality home grow. But the thing is for me, all the people who are willing to do that for me live Mm -hmm. a little bit away. And I, I don't I, 10 minutes past the house. I start crying, man. I'm just, I'm a homebody, dude. Sounds like it. You know, it's not like, you know, you could be going out there and making those um, essential travel requests, I'd assume, but you've brought up something that we're talking about later in the episode. Stick around. We're going to talk about fighting the black market or the illegal market or the traditional market whatever, or the legacy market, whatever we call it here on the show and how uh, over-regulating and, and inflation of the price and stuff like this with the looping uh, may actually be prepared perpetuating the um i think you call the traditional market right yeah i call it traditional i mean black market is just so dirty (laughs) right i like to call it untaxed because that's literally what it is and so and i don't and i don't think that uh selling untaxed weed should be legal you know and so but i do also think that that should probably be our approach to enforcing these laws be like wait how much weed did you sell without paying taxes okay well you owe them that money that you didn't you didn't give them for paying that weed. And then also a fine because like, you know, let's say you're selling weed that hasn't been tested for purity or content. So you're not sure what's in it. So I, I also believe that there should be some type of fine for not selling licensed product. Uh, but most of it, I think, is just tax evasion when it comes. Well, I think that's the most appropriate regulation. No, no, that would be it. And that, but, you know, in, a, in an ideal hippie world, I think like how it used to be in Washington, where I agree there should be a recreational market or a industry in the states but then hey you know the farmers markets they're not they're not beating me down when i try and get some broccoli right you know, so you know if i could that's the thing that's misconception too about these people who are legislating is sometimes we need a lot of cannabis to to be medicine or i can consume a lot more than more most people 
Right. But then there, think about it. Shouldn't that be a license type then? Can't we? Because uh, license types are really fun in cannabis as it's such a new and a fast evolving area of law. So maybe like a, a farmer's market cannabis license type would be advantageous to have to allow the mom and pops, the traditional market to come out of the shadows and at least provide a, a high quality cannabis at a reasonable price and collect the taxes on those. I mean, I think farmer's markets with uh, fresh cannabis would be pretty cool. Actually, they were pretty fucking cool. But <laughs> uh, the thing is, though, and, and it, this is about with the home grow debate, which I, I think, again, I agree there should be some legislation, right? Plant regulation or lab regulation is plant regulation. But the same token, uh, you know, at the farmer's market, like they can sell home brew. They can sell uh, spirits. You just have to buy an extra license for that to, to you know, I've met the specs or whatever, you know. But, you know, if we had home grow, Cannabis itself would be like the beer, and then like the concentrates would be like the shots, the distilleries, the spirits. Mm-hmm. That that's what we've been trying to get through this whole time, as far as like a comparison, because you know we have a, a regulated uh, homebrew market out here. You know, we're they're allowed to go to you know well when they have markets. When they had markets in <laughs> four times. No, no, we tried again. They that was the most horrible thing I ever saw. Like they they had this downtown market in, in Capitol Hill here in Seattle and. It's, I mean, it's a nice market, but they try to do that social distancing and, and speed people through. And it's just not the market atmosphere. You're just like, you might as well just go to the grocery store, hang out in produce. I don't know. They're going to start farmer's markets down here uh, next weekend. So we'll see. Uh, they, they have a weird, strange thing in Illinois about how they're going to open the state. And the area that I'm in will probably be open quicker than the area that Lauren's in because she's in the city. But, you know, let's, let's see how it's going in, uh, in California land. And how we can battle the the traditional market or, or regulate the traditional market? Yeah, hey Mio, how you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about Cultiva Law? Sure, of course. Um, so Cultiva started in 2017, um, and we have offices up and down the West Coast. Um, Seattle is our headquarters. We have Portland, San Francisco, and LA, which is where I operate out of. Um, Our founder has been in the industry since the medical days. He's one of the OGs. (laughs) And um, we at Cultiva kind of have curated a team of lawyers with very diverse um, focuses on what we kind of do um, within the legal market and what we and how we help out businesses. Uh, we have like securities expert, or not experts, but we have like securities, um, people experienced with things like that. And we have ex- people who are experienced with trademarks, copyrights, um, business transactions, really anything and everything that kind of has to do with cannabis from cultivation all up until the consumer buys it. So when you said securities, you weren't talking about like an armed guard. No, no. We mean like business securities, like stocks and <laughs> right. things like that. Yeah, Like offerings of investments that are probably yes. done by, uh, what is that? Section 506 of Reg D. There's a couple of provisions in there. Um, that's uh, some of the fun stuff that I might have to update my um, malpractice insurance here shortly. I haven't started <laughs> doing them yet. I've started explaining to my clients, you need this if you want to raise that money. No, I can. I've set it up for you. I'm not going to sell it to you for nothing, you know, but. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's what you kind of do, like the, the back infrastructure kind of help raise revenue because you guys break in. Tom's always getting to the uber non-sexy stuff. I'm like, I get you're saying grown up words. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> placement memorandums. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you guys have been around for a while. Aaron, the the, the founder of Cult of Law, is a mm -hmm. badass. I mean, he was here for medical um, through Lance Glore, our friend Tom. He actually helped Lance because uh, Lance was trying to do all the right things back then when it was medical, right? But uh, now you're you're California based, right? Or yes, you're the division of. How, how's that going for you out there? Um, it's chaotic to say the least. And it's <laughs> something cause I do, most of my work has to do with licensure, um, regulation compliance and things like that. And, um, because the regulations are still relatively on the new side, um, they're still trying to figure out how all these different counties and cities are going to be issuing licenses and things like that. It's kind of this wild west chaotic gray area that we have to do our best to inform our clients you know of everything that we can and have them let them make their own decisions <laughs> on there, how they want to navigate are there windows uh, like can i just apply for a cannabis license right now in california um, so california is really weird in how they wanted to do their licensure you need to get local approval before you get a state license. Um, and usually that comes in the form of having a local permit or having a local license. Um, so the state doesn't have any windows per se, but, and there aren't, they don't have any limits on how many that they're issuing. Um, but depending on the city, that city or county that you want to operate out of, they would have more specific regulations on when you can apply, how you can apply, what kind of licenses you can apply for and how much it's going to cost. Have you noticed like a rift between medical and recreational? Like here in Washington, uh, there was that dissenting because of the tax issue. And then they came out with SB 5052, which killed medical, pretty much locked it down. Is there anything uh, like that going on in California? I mean, the regulations and, you know, the various bills tried to kind of give they, they try to prevent that. Um, but essentially what's, happening is that the recreational was just taking over, <laughs> wow. um, which I think is just going to be the case, I think, with a lot of the um, markets out there. And, um, you know, I, well, medical patients, they get certain tax breaks and things like that, but it's just what's happening right now is just it's not enough to sustain that. Um, mm. And it's just it's it's diminishing, unfortunately. So do you see more of like a People calling in, like say, somebody opens a storefront medical dispensary. Are there other people, you know, rating them and calling them out as far as like, hey, there's a guy with a pot shop. You know, they're they're bad guys. Get those guys. But I got a recreational shop, but we're good. Um, as far as um, enforcement goes, no. Um, <laughs> and that's part uh -huh. of the reason why, as you call the traditional market, is so huge in California is that there's a lot of people who are operating without licenses and there isn't really any type of enforcement going on with, you know, rating or shutting them down. Um, so, so like, like the said, tell, if I'm, I mean, I've heard that Leafly or Weed Maps has dropped off mm -hmm. a lot of these unlicensed uh, retail dispensaries. But if I'm just walking down the street, am I going to be able to tell that this one's illegal and the next one's legal? Definitely not. <laughs> wow. I mean, they do have to, I mean, they do have to post a license. You know, if you have, if you have a legal license, you do have to post it up in the store somewhere, but 
um, you know, most people aren't going to be, you know, you don't walk into a restaurant and look for their liquor license. Mm -hmm. So it's not like some people's going to, some people are not going to just walk into a dispensary and say like, Oh, like, are you licensed or are you not? They're just uh, going to want their weed. <laughs> are, there, are there, is there a medical license? Um, there is, they do have specific des designations. Um, so you can have a, dis a single dispensary licensed both for medical and recreational use. Um, and then you can also have a, a dispensary that's just for medical use or just for adult use. So there is legal, legit medical out there, I guess. Yes, yes, yes. How's the price? It's just not as strong. How's the price discrepancies? Because one of the ways that the black, it's, you're you're kind of blowing my mind with how the black market works out in California. It just doesn't make <laughs> sense to me. The black market, usually you don't have a store for it, for, for startups, mm -hmm. you know? But, uh, and then it's not indistinguishable from another one. Um, what about the pricing and the quality? So like if I go to a, uh, an illegitimate uh, dispensary in California, is it gonna look like I'm buying legitimate California product? Or, or, or how does it uh, play out? Um, I would think that the tax, I think the taxes is the huge issue or not issue, but like the huge kind of indicator of what, of whether you're buying from a legal dispensary or not. Um, just because um, from a legal dispensary, they have to pay a, a kind of crazy amount of taxes. <laughs> and so the consumer often bears that um, in the sense of they have to pay excise tax, state sales tax, then they have the local tax um, and various other taxes if you know the local region decides to tax it that way. Um, versus if you're a traditional dispensary, you don't have to pay the excise tax. You don't have to pay much of those, you know, other than the sales tax, you don't have to pay much of those things. So even if they're, the product itself has the same price as maybe you know the legal dispensary which most of the time it doesn't because exactly for the reason that they don't have to pay the taxes so i mean it is going to be generally cheaper in the traditional market um as far as quality market, goes didn't have stores you had to go out back you know or you had to yeah, know a guy yeah. in somebody's house no, not in california <laughs> yep right. now you gotta do that for a haircut oh gosh <laughs> but so you have the the, the, the legal recreational side uh, and medical side of things. Um, mm -hmm. But like, how, what's, the, what's the accountability like? Cause I mean, California is like one of the oldest markets, right? And, and sure. so like here in Washington, they've made it so like for lab testing, you have to be an I-502 to get lab testing, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that was one of the things I thought that hurt us medically, as far as like some people were doing it, some people weren't. And if they would have just made an overall plan, we could say it was regulated at that point. It wasn't. Is there any stipulations like that from, you know, traditional versus non-traditional markets or like lab testing? Um, as far as, well, not really. Just if you're, <laughs> this is part of the reason why I call it the Wild West is because if you're within the traditional market, you really aren't operating under any type of regulation. You're just doing what you've always done, I guess. And yeah. um, you didn't necessarily have to, you don't, you know, there's certain, the regulatory side for the legal market has to comply with pesticide regulations has to comply with um you know very the track and trace regulations and things like that so that people actually know where or at least the state tries to know where the actual cannabis is coming from and where it's going sure. um but if you're within the traditional market you don't have any of that um and so a lot of them use unapproved pesticides or you know and they don't have to test in the labs and they just kind of yeah. 
BS their, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, their percentages or whatever the quality is. And um, they get away with it because people still buy it up. Like I understand Tom's dismay about the whole storefront, illegal storefronts, because I mean, that's kind of the market it's always been like here in Washington too. You know, none of these shops were registered or legal stores. Everybody just tried their best. You know, some person would get a business license in the, in the county or whatever. They would try to create taxes that they can give to the state and county, but nobody was enforcing or punishing them because they, there was nothing to enforce, you know? And right. so I just think that boundary of, because obviously there's a, a, an issue in California. So if they just look to their older people, you know, their, their mm-hmm. traditional market people and say, hey, what will it take to get you in? You know, and I mean, obviously right. you got the lower taxes. Why don't they just start taxing them. You see, that's the thing. Why don't they just have an audit authority and be like, uh, you don't have a cannabis license. That's an extra, you know, fee, uh, you know, something like that, where they just penalize them if it's there. And if the big problem is that the black market or the traditional market or the legacy market is not going away, great. Embrace that and be like, all right, everybody. We know that you're doing business, uh, so don't make us audit because we will audit. Call the accountants, you know, and and just make it as as taxed as the other ones are. I I don't I've it's just such a strange setup that we don't really have yeah. here in Illinois, where you have and and that gets back to a question that I had about the California uh, cannabis licensure process, where you said that you needed to have municipal approval first. Mm-hmm. So how much corruption at the municipal level is there? connected to the cannabis licensure process in California? <laughs> um, <laughs> quite a bit. I, I'm, it's, it's kind of, it makes my life also. You got to buy off difficult. somebody or you can just mm-hmm. do it. And if you just do it, you're not really going to be paid in taxes or getting shut down. You don't have to worry about compliance. Right, right, right. No sense. Yeah. Right. No, it's, it's kind of crazy. And it's, and I think it's really unique in, you know, if you compare like even Washington, Oregon, um, so it's our reg- the ca- regulations in California are like very, I don't know what they were, if they were trying to test something new and see if it worked or if it was just the sheer size of California um, kind of made them want to move in that direction of giving local authority more power to mm. license and regulate. But um, it, it also, I mean, it also, like again, like like I said, it makes my life very difficult because I have clients from you know various cities who are like, I want to get a license here. Can I get a license? I was like, well, hold on, I have to look up that actual city and their municipal code and look in their regulations and see if you can, and if you can't, or you know things like that. So it's just it's so sporadic, and there's still a majority of um, cities and counties that have outright banned any type of commercial cannabis activity. So um, even finding cities and counties that are open to it is also, uh, it's, it's a, (laughs) it's a feat in and of itself. (laughs) We have people on here before who talk about, you know, get to know your local reps. So I'd imagine Mm -hmm. that'd be just as important, right? Like no matter where. Yeah. I think it's especially important in California. It's just, it's so much of it is within the legal or within the um, power of the local regulations that it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't necessarily like that simply because I think that it, it, it provides the people that are most likely to act in a corrupt fashion incentive to do so. And so I don't like how they've done it out in Massachusetts where it's very similar to that, where they have these municipal approvals. I don't mind if the municipality says like no or pay us this amount of tax, but I don't really like when they have to say, well, if you don't get this approval from us, 
you know, you're not going to get that license. I like how the state right. awards the license and they kind of set the benchmark where it's like, no, anybody who's going to be selling cannabis needs this. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they can't be selling cannabis. Um, right. Yeah. And it's just it, it is just without because of all the local approvals and things like that, there's just no uniformity in you know, what the actual licensing standards are, um, you know, some place, the state is kind of like federalism, you know, the state has the kind of like the bottom line where you have to be, you know, certain buffer zones have to be certain feet apart. Um, but then the city might come in and say, no, it has to be even wider than that. And so there's just really, again, no uniformity. <laughs> and it's just this well, that just, yeah. So like there, the, this municipality uh, uh, being on board is all the more, and cannabis would be all the more local there because you're, you're not, you can't even get out of, you, you can't even get started if you don't have them uh, mm -hmm. already supporting you. So you have to go to them first. And then right. once you have that, why would you make it easy for somebody else to come in and compete with you? If anything, what you would want to do is say like, no, 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 we have to make these very, very strange so that only we get this. And then it's different, like one town over. I mean, it just mm -hmm. makes no sense. And then when you're mm -hmm. trying to have uh, brands in this industry, and so that would be an impediment to brand because you're not going to be able to do the same type of production or growth uh, in in that is is if you like, you know if you're trying to open a new grow somewhere else to to uh, you know expand your output, you might not be able to get that. You know, sure. Oh, crazy! People are calling me. Do you guys think perhaps the part of the, the disconnect as far as like some storefronts being legal and some not and not being messed with as well because they are in the neighborhood. They're part of them, their local community. But it's the medical defense, right, where you know, this is medicine. We don't tax medicine. We want to help medicine. But yet we don't get mad at the guy making money off of Viagra. So <laughs> do you think, you know, there's that disconnect of like what this plant really is to People trying to be like, no, you're just getting high because it's Friday or whatever, you know, and it's recreational. It's that it's because it's such a hard thing to identify. And some people just don't accept that it is medicine. You know, there's, right, there's, a, right. there's a great disconnect from the law into what the plan is, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. It's kind of um, and I, I, and I feel like I, I grew up in Seattle. Um, so I, I feel like Washington's the same way where you have like Seattle is one that huge city within Washington. It's probably one of the only big cities within Washington. But if you kind of go outside of Washington, the ver the political views change quite a bit. Um, and I think California is the same way where you have cities like San Diego, San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Jose, or like you know, the, the bigger metropolitan cities have certain political views. And then if you go outside of that, it's very, very different. Um, and I think that that's part of the disconnect also is, and that's part of why majority of the cities and majority of the counties have still banned cannabis outright. It's just that they kind of have a different, you know, lean on their views of cannabis. Um, but despite that, you know, Prop 64 kind of passed with, you know, <laughs> support from the bigger cities and those more populated areas. And then, so the whole state now is just kind of like, I don't really know what to do or how to <laughs> approach this. <laughs> All sorts of fractions. So it does sound like it'd be very difficult to have standardization and enforcement mechanisms. And that might explain why you guys are always going to have a pervasive black market, traditional market, mm -hmm. illegal market, whatever you want to call it, uh, in California. Because when there aren't any rules to follow, well, then it's really easy just to not follow any rules. 
Uh, so that being the case, it might be difficult for us to compare prices for like how much it would cost for you to get into the industry in a California versus like into an Illinois where the Illinois mm -hmm. is being set by the, the state, like whether or not you're going to get a license uniformly uh, through a competitive process. Whereas in California, the licensure is set more at the local level, depending on if they like you. Uh, and so right. how do you, how would you even approach? Cause that's the thing that the, the clients always go, can I mm -hmm. do it? And how much, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and the way I approach it is, um, it, <laughs> I try and make sure, um, that I know, or at least I'm kind of familiar with that area's, um, regulations regarding licensure, um, before I talk to the client, um, or, I just kind of tell them, you know, like I said, I have to just do my best to inform them with what I know and whatever they need to know to make an informed decision. And um, as far as state licensure goes, you know, that's going to be uniform. I know that, you know, it's a thousand dollars to apply for it. And then your, <laughs> but then the, your license, your annual license is going to depend on how much um, anticipated gross revenue you're going to make. Um, mm. So that kind of, it all, and that's another thing that varies. Um, so depending hey. on how big they want their, operation to be their licensing fee increases um but when it comes to the local level you know i've seen anywhere from lower you know in the low 3000s for a license or application fee or licensure up until maybe just for the application fee i've seen you know like twenty five thousand, um, and that's just for application <laughs> before you so, a pencil and spend any time helping them yes yep. yes do you uh, think that so? Because California obviously is one of the older culture places, uh, with like mm -hmm. the Humboldt, the Triangle. Do you feel any of uh, that influence is kind of like subterfuge to the whole? Because I mean, you're it's an outlaw market. It was an outlaw market, mm -hmm. and, and now you're trying to get the outlaws to pay taxes and uh, you know give their up their information of where they work, where their grows at, the things that they've been mm -hmm. fighting for all this time. You know, it's a psychology type thing too. And I think that's why some people in California get a bad taste because the outlaws they weren't having it and then some people you know like that don't don't hang out with those guys they smoke weed or grow weed and you know they, right. they shoot guns you know i don't know but right. you know there's that misconception of the mm -hmm. i can't believe you guys can't have uh consensus at the state level to be able to regulate the stuff when that might just kind of reflect the uh ballot initiative as compared to the legislative action because illinois is a legislative action state we aren't able to do that type of ballot initiative and and that might explain why we have a uniform uh, cleaner law even mm -hmm. though like the the amount of types of license types in california is more rich and diverse than illinois so like mm -hmm. illinois license types are actually kind of like you know the fifth grader or the kindergartner version because it, it just really does reflect not that mature of an industry but you got to start somewhere mm. right right I mean, California, I don't know. I, the, the license types, I'm, there are a lot. There are quite a few. Um, and I think one of the good things about California is that um, unlike Washington, they've allowed for certain company or they've allowed for um, vertical integration. Um, so yeah. a company can cultivate and they can have a, what's called a micro business license um, where they can cultivate, they can sell retail, they can distribute, um, so they can kind of control their own supply chain. Um, and that's kind of, and that's one of the nice things, I guess, about California and how we've gone about doing licensure. Um, 
because I think a lot of the, at least a lot of the issues that I've seen with Washington, especially, um, I have a few friends that do um, cultivation up in Washington and they kind of, they wish that they could vertically integrate. They, it would help them with their quality control. It would help them, you know, kind of maintain that kind of brand um, awareness yeah. and things like that, that, you know, that go along with developing a proper company. Right. <laughs> um, so, but no. I mean, at the same time, California has so many licenses that people are like, I don't know which kind to get, which, I mean, that's kind of where I come in. <laughs> but, uh, cool. Uh, now in Washington state, uh, can you have both an extraction or a processor license and a cultivation license, or is it even more split up that way? No, you can have a, you can have a producer and processor license, um, but that's the only, okay. but not a retail. Yeah. But that's the only combination license that you can have. Interesting. And I've seen, I've seen workarounds where families like will do uh, one person will get the license, you know, a mom, and then the sister will get the, the storefront license. And then that sure. really helps reduce and keep the money because a lot mm -hmm. of these places are still red, you know? Right, right. Everything's going to be an instant millionaire when I do this shit, but it doesn't work <laughs> that way. <laughs> well, maybe in the States. It depends. It depends on the state and it depends on the regs. I mean, uh, there's no shortage of people buying weed in Illinois. And so, you know, if you have that oh. license, you're making money. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the, the, the early days of the common man having a chance was Prop 215 and early medical days of Washington. You know, that... You know, you had millionaires rolling in, you know, guys with high school educations, you know, yeah. rolling in Ferraris. And now, now you need a half a million to be involved in this thing. Well, that at the low end, at the low end. Unless, of course, that gets back into the securities thing I was mentioning at the top of the show. Uh, then you're going to need a PPM or some type of uh, private placement memorandum and structuring so that you can do an equity raise. And uh, together, you guys can have enough money to get into the industry. Right. <laughs> Don't forget to save enough money to buy off some people in politics at the local level, depending on what <laughs> you want to get into. So you guys go back so far in, in the legal cannabis uh, landscape out West. Uh, do they have anything like social equity in the California licensure process? Sure. Um, at the state level, they don't. Um, but since mm -hmm. I mostly do Los Angeles work, um, Los Angeles has um, a social equity program in their licensing. And um, it's kind of, it's something that in theory is something that um, would be really nice and theoretically would be really nice if it worked. Um, but I think Los Angeles in, in the sense of, <laughs> How it's licensing it's just not something that's very uh feasible um so they have certain requirements within the social equity program which is great um you know that they're in order to be a social equity program applicant you have to be low income and then you have to own a certain percentage of the company depending on which tier of social equity um you are applying for um but that kind of makes things complicated for the applicant in the sense of trying to raise capital um, mm. because it's they have to have a certain percentage of ownership and that means that they need to have that same proportion of voting rights within the company they need to have same proportion of you know profits and any type of distributions within the company so um, any investors that want to come in and be like hey, I want to throw all this money at you but we want to have a little bit more control of the company can't do that. Um, so that's kind of one of the problems that I'm seeing with um, at least the Los Angeles social equity program. Um, 
so again, in theory, it's something that's really nice and that should work, um, but they haven't even rolled out those licenses yet. So oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, the application period was last year, um, and it was towards the end of last year. Um, and then they did it on a, I don't know why they did this, but they did it on a first-come-first-served basis. Um, oh, so you had to log in exactly at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and upload your application and just hope for the best that you are within the first 100 people. Um but then somehow they somehow some people got kind of like a backdoor link and they uploaded it before Whoa. 8 a.m. Wow. They had to do a whole audit. It's, oh my gosh. Uh, it was a huge there's, thing. There's even corruption in the social equity at the local <laughs> level in LA. Because, yeah, it's and that's the thing, Maggie. Don't uh, let me disabuse you of the notion that these people aren't going to become millionaires if they get that license and sell. Oh no, it. no, oh, no yeah. definitely not. And, and so that's, that's a that's huge why. misconception. Yeah. That is that is why yeah. the scam is allowed to go on. But uh, I'm I'm glad that they tried and then they totally rigged it. Yes, yes, and yeah. that's just with phase one or yeah, round one of phase. So they Los Angeles did the licensing in three phases. Uh, social equity was phase three. They just did round one, which was the first, you know, hundred. And then they are planning to do round two after they figure out everything with round one. <laughs> uh, but that's still, like I said, still in the process. <laughs> now, is that the only county or city that's doing it in California so far or San Francisco? Um, that, that I know of, Los Angeles is the only one that I know of, obviously. Mm. But, you know, like I said, because the regulations are so different yeah. at each city and every, you know, county that it's kind of hard for me to keep track of all of them. <laughs> Yeah, and I do most of Los Angeles work. So, I mean, that really it taxes you because now you're trying to yes. remember the rules depending on what uh, procedure you have to follow, and, mm -hmm. and that would make uh, your practice area in in California even more esoteric. I mean, like it's yes. great to have a niche, but if your niche is one city, you're very right. quickly are out of clients, you know, and, right. and opposed to like if your niche is the whole state. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, or a couple of states, especially if, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do is export Illinois and teach everybody, all the other states of Illinois, do it like this. Cause that'll be like, yeah. oh, I, I know this, I know this. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have uh, a great structure though. So, I mean, there's uh, the social it, equity. Well, well, it's interesting that Emil was uh, talking about the social equity aspects about how they're supposed to have those types of ownership and control. And it's mm -hmm. very similar to the social equity stuff that we have here in Illinois, where you have very specific types of ownership and control. Control. And so um, that being the case, how do you structure these things in such a way that the state says that you're not, you know, going over the line? For example, what happens if I have a 51, 49 percentage? Uh, and just because that's usually the threshold, it's like they have to have the 51 percent ownership and control. And so we're going to try to give them that 51 percent ownership and control. But then my uh, cannabis consultancy firm is going to enter into a contract with uh, this company that I'm going to get 5 percent net uh, management fee. Now, does that count as a contractual right or did I just sweep out 5 percent of the profit and then upset the 51 to 49 percent uh, ratio? I don't know. Uh, because I have not seen anything that's been scored. So I can't like advise. And so I'm still just going, maybe, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, same boat. Yeah. <laughs> same boat over here. <laughs> right. Especially without, you know, 
they started the, the social equity program and they kind of, you know, they had that application phase and um, opened up. But when it comes to actually executing how these businesses are going to work, it's really still a gray area and the regulations aren't very clear on that either um, in a sense that you have to submit every type of contractual um, obligation or any type of um any type of agreement really that your business right. enters into, um, you have to submit it to LA and state, but as far as what they're, how they're going to enforce it or what they're going to do, if you do violate any of these, you know, ownership thing, like ownership requirements, they, they, it's not very clear. Um, so yeah. nobody really knows what's going to happen. If you, if you qualify for one tier at one point, but then you get into a contract that might, qualify you for a lower one you know mm -hmm. no one knows if your license is going to get revoked or if they're just or you sell it like we can totally different ownership now so we've sold the license and then it's like well you can't you're gonna have to find somebody else who has this exact same uh exactly, right? and then that person that's usually you know they're trying to include the the social equity into the millions and so right. it's not like they're going to be able to go find another one until they have the license. They really don't have the money. That's the catch 22 right. of this problem. But then in all the scoring that I see, you having the, not having the money isn't an excuse. It doesn't matter if you have the social equity, you also need the money. And so mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's one of those, well, how is this going to shake up? And we'll see. We'll see. Right, right. Well, it sounds like it didn't start very fair if they're not the first hundred or whatever. You know, there's no... Uh, right. Uh, this, you know, this like process, you know, something yeah. like there, there is no inventory of the social equity itself though. Right. If you're just taking the first hundred people and then I say 50 of them are just douchebags trying to squeeze in. Well, now you just put another 50 people out. You know, I would say, right. you know, go through all the freaking applications and then say the first hundred that qualify. Yeah. That, that'd be it. But not the first hundred that get through. That's well, you know, the problem too is everybody forgets California twice. You had to run it twice to get the legal, you know, uh, yes. Prop 19 fell, you know, Prop 64 finally came through. So yep. everybody thought California is a promise state. <laughs> I mean, you know, medical was the same way. They tried back in the early 70s and then it didn't work. And then they finally got it in 96. So it's going to try I, once, fail, try twice, maybe then. <laughs> I, help get, I help raise signatures for that. Oh, nice. Very nice. On promotion side. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool, cool. So in 96, you were gathering signatures? Yeah, I, I read a, a, a job in a paper that said, uh, uh, you know, gather signatures for marijuana legalization. I'm like, fuck yeah, I get paid to legalize marijuana. And then <laughs> I was out and about, I got a couple hundred, and then I was hoping to get a paycheck. And the guy's like, yeah, after we verify all these and blah, blah, I'm like, hey, it's a donation. I'm out of here. <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad that you're here for activism. That's, that's important. You're helping legalize it. And then after you legalize it, you have to fix how they've legalized it because they probably screwed it up. Oh, we're such a shit yeah. show. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's a shit show. But then, like, you have to think there could be another five to ten years of federal prohibition, and then let's say that we finally do have federal legalization. You know, they're going to fuck that up. I mean, like, they yeah. screwed it up at every <laughs> other level. So, par for the course. It's not like the show is going to be irrelevant in ten years. It'll mm -hmm. be like. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully there's a standardization. I don't know if one day uh, when I'm an old, old man, uh, you know, like 80 or something, we'll, we'll have the marijuana uniform commercial code, but we won't call it that because, <laughs> because you can't use the word marijuana. It would be the cannabis commercial code, the CCC. And then there would be, here's how you do cannabis. It's standardized. Make sure you do it that way. Collect the taxes. 
Well, you definitely know they're going to screw it up because they are—they're already kind of doing that with hemp. So it's <laughs> like... oh yeah, hemp laws. <laughs> yeah, hemp laws, which makes zero sense. You know, it's—it's yeah. it's going to because if you look at the hemp prices, they are way less excited about hemp this year than they were last year. Way less excited, and and then all the genetics in hemp are just getting turned over because of the USDA regulations. So a lot of the mm-hmm. strains that have been cultivated aren't going to be cultivated. So now they have to watch this total THC level. And then oh, yeah. uh, Illinois is the wild west when it comes to hemp for the 2021, uh, 2020 crop year, but not next year. Cause then they have to comply with the USDA. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I can get you a hemp license in Illinois that fast, you know, but right. next year when you have to have the USDA compliance to get your, your license, there's going to be a lot more hoops to jump through. And then you have a lot more testing liability and all other crap. Mm-hmm. It's like, they just wanted to kill the industry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, hemp's a great uh, uh, example, as you're pointing out, how how they're gonna fuck it up in the future. Because I mean, you still have people getting arrested. We had the, the Green Angel CBD company on our show uh, a couple months ago because their shipment got you know uh, confiscated, uh, mm-hmm. asset yep. forfeiture type shit. So you know, and to top it off, we still have people sitting in jail. You know, people are growing yeah. old for this shit. So yeah. you know, it's a, it's definitely a constant show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they just don't care about people. They care about getting rich. They care about vilifying people, but they really mm-hmm. don't care about having a policy that works. Yeah. You know, that's one of the reasons, because you know, we're going to be wearing masks outside for like freaking ever, because we still take <laughs> our shoes off when we go on an airplane, because some guy once tried to put a bomb in his shoe, and then we're like, never again will allow anybody onto that airplane until we check their shoes. And so- <laughs> Now, you know, because like I was at the post office today, I mailed out some uh, some Bovida packs. Hey, Lauren, can you hook, hook us up and uh, put the email on a thing that they can uh, email us? We'll send you some Bovida packs. I might throw in a dube tube. Uh, tell me where you're from and what type of stuff you're doing with cannabis. But anyway, um, you go to the post office. Everything's got a sneeze guard now. Everything's got a sneeze guard. And none of that's going to go away because we no. freak out. We don't do anything until it's way too late. And then we freak out and overreact. It's terrible. Right. It's like we're, we're, we're six, you know, what the heck? <laughs> or a leader is, but anyways. <laughs> Safe banking act in November. Come on. <laughs> Nino, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we find and follow what's going on at Cultiva Law? Um, so you can find us at our webpage, uh, cultivalaw.com. Uh, we are also on Instagram at cultivalaw. I'm also personal on Instagram, Mio at cultivalaw. Um, feel free to follow us and, you know, we post up whenever we're having parties and things like that. If you are in the area, feel free to stop by. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Yeah. We'll definitely throw those links in the description. Everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of cannabis legalization news. Uh, we'll see you on Sunday. Thanks for having me.